if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us as we get rolling at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the fourth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. We are absolutely loaded today, so settle in and sit back and please be ready to listen. That does not mean I don't want to hear from you. It means the opportunities will be kind of sparing this morning because we have three very important guests, starting with the sage. That's right, coming up at 935 uh, less than a half an hour from now, actually about a half an hour from now, uh, we will talk to uh, Larry Elder, uh, the brilliant one from uh, Southern California. And uh, Larry Elder, of course, has been all over what has been going on with respect to these riots with a perspective that only an African-American can have. You know, we talk about this all the time, about how we are all the same and we should all be judged by the content of character, but we also hear time and time again that a white person cannot understand it through the lens of a black person. Larry Elder is an African-American who, of course, is not African-American in the eyes of the radical racial left, which, of course, sees him as an Uncle Tom, which is why Larry Elder has a movie out called Uncle Tom. Uh, Larry will talk to us about all of this at 9.35. At 10.10, our regular Thursday guest, Dr. Everett Piper, will give his perspective from a place of humanity and from a racial perspective, but not a black or a white racial perspective, but a human race, human racial perspective. And we look forward to that. And then at uh, 10.35, we are going to turn away from the rioting and the racial arson that is going on in this country right now and back to um the chinese coronavirus which we have not talked about all week stunning isn't it how so yesterday or so last week or so last year the uh non-stop coronavirus conversation was now the uh, new hotness is racial arson in the streets and that of course is meant literally and figuratively when we say that but jack windsor will join us uh from uh, uh from mansfield he continues to uh, investigate and to question the leadership decisions going on in Columbus about getting the state of Ohio open again. He got an unbelievable answer yesterday when he pressed Ohio's leadership on when they will open the state. And I'll let Jack tell you that story coming up at 1035. So we have three very important guests coming up this morning. But I want to start 
um, with, again, and by the way, I'm not going to be able to address every news story in the cycle today. I'm not going to be able to discuss Rod Rosenstein testifying uh, on uh, the Russia probe and essentially admitting that Andrew McCabe misled him and that he chose Robert Mueller to investigate all of this rather than doing the legwork himself. Uh, I'm not going to get into all of the admissions that that, you know, um, or rather all of the ramifications that those admissions uh, made or had on this case and on the uh, United States of America for the last three years. That story is enormous. I just don't have time for it this morning, nor a whole lot of other things, including a whole lot of dead cops, with the exception of saying this, and this is extraordinarily important, with the exception of saying that the media is indeed helping to kill cops. I'm, I, look, I, I didn't stutter. This nonstop anti police narrative, this nonstop repetition of the lie that police officers are targeting African Americans is leading to dead cops, far more than the video of an actual bad cop killing George Floyd could ever do. Do you understand this? Every single media outlet that gives every single leftist, whether they be African-American or virtue-signaling whites, no matter who they are, giving airtime to the notion that the ongoing so- social injustice against African-Americans is leading to this, this cry for help and this cry for, for um, uh, equality. Every media outlet that says that George Floyd's death is just the latest in a long string of African-Americans, unarmed African-Americans being killed by police officers. Every media outlet that feeds the frenzy that is going on in cities all across this country, they are contributing to dead cops and shot cops in critical conditions and beaten cops. And cops being pelted with everything that you can think of, from strategically placed pallets of bricks in in uh, riot locations to frozen water bottles, people putting the uh, little plastic water bottles in their freezers, taking them to these protests to throw them at the heads of police officers. The media is feeding this outrage machine. They're feeding this frenzy, and they're doing it with lies. Now, I have to tell you this. What I am saying right now is not easy for me to say, and here's why. I know that I, as well as any other public figure that does not thrust my fist in the air and express solidarity with Black Lives Matter, we run the risk daily of being called racists and being called part of the problem. If you don't acknowledge that black Americans are being hunted by police officers and are being mistreated by the criminal justice system, etc., then you are part of the problem. How do I know that I'm going to be treated that way? Two words. Drew Brees. If you don't know Drew Brees, eh, you should really watch more football. Uh, (laughs) Sorry if if you're not a football fan. Drew Brees is the quarterback, a Hall of Famer in waiting. He's one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League. He's also one of its most genuinely nice people. And I mean, he is just a... I mean, he's the standard bearer for class professionalism. He's the kind of guy that make would make a great face of the league. He's an ambassador to the sport and an ambassador to sports, plural. 
He is a superb competitor, an extraordinary achiever, and he is a patriot. And now he is the target for anti-BLM. Uh, well, let me rephrase. He is being accused of being anti-BLM, Black Lives Matter, and he is taking thunderous abuse online on the evil platform that is known as Twitter, other places too, but primarily Twitter. Uh, Twitter is Satan, period. I've said that before, and I'll say it again. I'm ashamed to use it. If I did not have a radio show, I would delete the app from my phone and never visit that dark, dark place again. But Twitter has given uh, particularly athletes, mostly NFL, but include, but also you know other sports, including LeBron James, who cannot help but take advantage of an opportunity to rip somebody else for not being in full and complete agreement with him. They are attacking Drew Brees mercilessly on the judgment zone known as Twitter for daring to say that he will never kneel and disrespect the national anthem or our flag. It's literally just that simple. The argument now because of the media feeding the uh, Black Lives Matter frenzy and feeding the lie that black people are being mistreated in this country routinely, all because of the death of George Floyd, the idea that this is happening on a regular basis, because of that, many are saying Colin Kaepernick was right to kneel against racial injustice, to kneel when the national anthem is being played and the flag is being presented. Uh, presented he is right to do that and now all other players or so many other players are going to do the same thing drew Brees said very simply very directly i will never disrespect the flag or the national anthem of the united states the hatred he is receiving in response like i said is simply unfathomable he is being accused of of essentially being a you know a race racist or uh, a white supremacy sympathizer or just not understanding and not being down with the cause, especially with his black teammates. This is where we are. If you do not fall to your knees and apologize for your white privilege, if you don't fall to your knees as a white American in the presence of Black Lives Matter. Fall to your knees and apologize to them for slavery if you don't fall to your knees and apologize to African Americans for things you did not do wrong, nor have anybody alive today. If you don't fall to your knees and beg forgiveness for the color of your white skin, then you are going to be targeted. That's just the fact of the matter. Fall to your knees and beg forgiveness for something you have not done. And for, quite frankly, a narrative in the United States of America that is a lie. Now, a lot of this sounds very direct, doesn't it? A lot of, I'm not speaking with equivocation this morning. I'm not stuttering, I'm not stammering, and I am not confused. I am very direct because I have something on my mind that, quite frankly, is... Um, antithetical to the arguments being presented by the mainstream media and by the virtue signalers and by the rioters and the anarchists and the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa and the revolutionary abolitionist movement and the revolutionary communists of the United States of America. I have something with me that they absolutely don't want anything to do with. And they don't want you to have anything to do with either. What I have with me are facts, 100% verified provable facts about what is going on in this country as it pertains to policing and race. 
all of these facts undercut every single thing that is being defended with every brick through every window in riots across the country. The facts that I have, and they're not mine, they, and they're not Tucker Carlson's either, even though he presented them last night on his show. They're not Candace Owens's, even though she uh, uh, um, made a viral video in which she cited all of the facts. They're not any of ours. You know who they belong to? They belong to the, the far left racial, racial uh, um, arsonists, racial profiteers at the Washington Post. That's right. The Washington Post has been keeping a database of all police-involved shootings and the racial demographics thereof since 2015. We're in year five now of this. That's what the um, Washington Post has done. And the statistics compiled by the Washington Post disprove everything that every protester is standing for and every violent rioter and looter that, they, that are out there in the streets creating and causing all of this chaos that they stand for. All of it is a lie. Not some of it, all of it. Not stuttering, again, not equivocating. And I'm going to let you hear what the Washington Post has reported. And I'm going to let you hear what the FBI statistics show that support that, that the DOJ shows, that support everything that the Washington Post says. The facts are absolutely not um, uh, confusing. They're, they're absolutely not disputable either. They're realistic. They are verifiable. They are proven. And everything that's happening across this country right now today, every single bit of the violence being caused in the name of George Floyd is wrong. It is based on a lie. The only truth here is that George Floyd was murdered. The only truth here is that the police officers who contributed to his murder are all being charged. One with second-degree murder, the others with aiding and abetting, and those are appropriate things to have happen. We are all outraged at how George Floyd was killed. We are all outraged that George Floyd was killed. That's where the truth ends. That should never happen. But the media and public figures claiming that this is just the straw that broke the camel's back because it happens all the time, is just flat-out wrong. Lies and misinformation that we will present to you right after this. It's 924. Don't forget Larry Elder, the Sage of South Central, will be joining us at 935. I want to share with you now some of the facts, again, presented by the Washington Post. But I don't have a Washington Post reporter to bring them. Tucker Carlson is going to bring them. This was his opening monologue last night, or at least a portion of it, that just, uh, it's a truth bomb. Quite frankly, it's a truth bomb that the left does not want you to believe exists. The truth about shootings in America by police officers and the racial demographics involved. His facts came from the Washington Post. And the Washington Post took their facts from their own reporting and investigations and FOIA requests from the federal, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the FBI, as well as the Department of Justice. So these are not Tucker's facts. These are not my facts. These are the Washington Post facts because these are the facts. Please listen. 
You're hearing a lot of people in authority tell you that every day, every hour. One group of pro athletes just announced that, quote, it seems like every week a new tragedy unfolds before our very eyes where people are being killed by police violence. Each time we tweet, we pray, we mourn, only to repeat the cycle a few days later, end quote. In the words of Ben Crump, who's the lawyer representing George Floyd's family in Minneapolis, what we're witnessing here in America is, quote, genocide. Genocide. If you believed we were seeing genocide, then you might understand the riots now in progress. There's nothing worse than genocide. But is it happening? Is any of this true? We should find out. Facts matter. What exactly are the numbers? We found the numbers. And we're going to go through them with you in some detail tonight because it's worth it. Since 2015, the Washington Post has maintained a comprehensive database of fatal police shootings in this country. Last year, the Post logged a total of 1,004 killings. Of the 802 shootings in which the race of the police officer and the suspect was noted, 371 of those killed were white, 236 were black. The vast majority of those killed were not, in fact, unarmed. The vast majority were armed, and African-American suspects were significantly more likely to have a deadly weapon than white suspects. Yet more white suspects were killed. Overall, there were a total of precisely 10 cases in the United States last year, according to the Washington Post, in which unarmed African-Americans were fatally shot by the police. There were nine men and one woman. Now, as we said, a lot is at stake. The country is at stake. So we want to take the time now to go through these case by case into the specifics. Those are the facts. That is the entire list okay. from 2019. F- FYI, he did go case by case through all 10 of the shootings, told you the details, told you what happened, told you what the disposition was in a court of law. Just in the interest of time, I can't play that lengthy portion for you. So this is the summation. Listen. 10 deaths. In five deaths, an officer was attacked just before the shooting occurred. That is not disputed. One allegedly was an accident that leaves a total of four deaths during a pursuit or in a standoff. So out of four, in two of those cases, in fully half, the officer was criminally charged. Is it possible that more of these officers should have been charged? Of course it's possible. Justice is not always served, that's for sure. But either way, this is a very small number in a country of 325 million people. This is not genocide. It's not even close to genocide. It is laughable to suggest it is. In fact, the number of police killings is dropping. In 2015, during Barack Obama's presidency, 38 unarmed black Americans and 32 whites were slain by police. Overall totals have fallen since then, and they have fallen far more dramatically for African-American men. Last year was the safest year for unarmed suspects since the Washington Post began tracking police shootings. It was the safest year for both white and black suspects. At the same time, this country remains a dangerous place for police officers. 48 of them were murdered in 2019, according to FBI data. That's more than the number of unarmed suspects killed of all races. One final number for you, because it matters. In 2018, 7,407 African Americans were murdered in the United States. If 2019 continues on a similar trajectory, and we hope it doesn't, but if it does, That would mean that for every unarmed African-American shot to death in the United States by police, more than 700 were murdered by someone else, usually by someone they know. Again, those are the facts. They are not in dispute. 
Are African Americans being hunted, as Joy Reid recklessly claimed on MSNBC recently? Or is something else happening? Is our nation being ripped apart by a total and complete lie, a provable lie, a lie used by cynical media manipulators and unscrupulous politicians who understand that racial strife, race hatred, is their path to power, even if it destroys the country? You have the facts now, and you can decide what's really going on. So that was uh, Tucker's Oprah, part of Tucker Carlson's opening monologue last night. And I again would like to emphasize, those are not his statistics. Those are not my statistics. Those are the actual statistics as compiled by the left-leaning, in fact, let's call the Washington Post what it is, the far-left fake news uh, of, of the Washington Post that hates Donald Trump, hates everything that conservatives stand for. Them, despite all of their leftism, despite all of their political ideology and their motives and agendas and narratives, they are compiling the stats, and the stats are what you just heard. Black people in America are not being targeted by police. Black people in America are not being hunted by police. Black people in America are not being systemically um, uh, uh, prejudiced against. They're not suffering any of the slings and the arrows that everybody out there smashing windows and lighting fires are, are claiming right now. It is all a lie. There is no such thing as systemic racism in the policing of the, of the United States of America. None. And if there is any bias whatsoever, as you just heard, it is likely against whites because Africa or because police officers are scared to death to engage in a deadly force, use of deadly force confrontation with an African-American. And the reason why is because it will be front page news while the death of any white person at the hands of a police officer will be an afterthought if it is mentioned at all. The Sage of South Central, Larry Elder, joins us next. Nine thirty-five. We continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning to you. I don't you. remember the actual day, but I remember the emotion that I felt when it when it happened. I'm often asked, was there an epiphany? I started asking questions as I became more politically aware. A lot of the way that I saw things began to change. All of this information I've been taking in for several years. A continuation of these kind of contradictions. I had bought into all of these lies. You begin to see what the real agenda is. That's usually how that red pilling process begins. Black America is starting to get it. People are starting to realize what's going on. Tell you what, that could not be more timely. That was one of the trailers for an upcoming movie released June 19th, so literally just a couple of weeks away. It's called Uncle Tom. And the star and the producer of that and the uh, the originator of that film is the sage of South Central, Larry Elder, who joins us now at AM 1420, The Answer. Larry, good morning. How are you, sir? Morning, Bob. Thank you so much for playing that. I appreciate it. I appreciate uh, the fact that you made it, and I want to talk a lot about that here as part of our conversation. Before I do that, our mutual friend and uh, mutual guest on our respective programs, Peter Kirsten, I would like to say hello to you, and he says you need to have him back on soon. <laughs> That's great. He's, he's he amazing, isn't he? 
He literally just texted me and said, "Tell Larry." Yeah, they, and and, uh, and of course, I don't know. I don't know if radios can really handle uh, uh, the two of you uh, talking at the same time because uh, the explosion of knowledge it, it, it would not be good for people. Um, okay, Larry, let's let's dive into this before we talk about Uncle Tom. Let's talk about you being called an Uncle Tom today. You and Peter and <laughs> Candace and everybody else. Right. Everybody else who doesn't have your black fist in the air and screaming Black Lives Matter. Everybody who is not down with the cause and, per- and supportive of those out there smashing windows in the name of George Floyd. You are of course an Uncle Tom. You are of course a coon, etc. It's the reason you wrote the movie or made the movie. But let's talk about it as it pertains to this specific instance. People who listen to your show know that you are all about this. But give my listeners um, uh, just a bit of an overview of what you saw when you saw or what you thought when you saw the video of George Floyd and what you have thought for the last seven nights of utter chaos and anarchy in cities across this country. Well, what I saw in that video was a cop or four cops uh, who behaved uh, in a way that uh, they ought to be held accountable for. That is not the Minneapolis Police Department. That is not the 800,000 police officers uh, that serve our country. Uh, This is a specific case, and it ought to be handled on a case-by-case basis. The fact is that the police shoot and kill more unarmed whites than they kill unarmed, shoot and kill unarmed blacks. About uh, nine unarmed blacks were shot and killed last year. Nineteen unarmed whites were shot and killed last year. Uh, If there were any protests and riots, I I didn't see them. 7,000 homicides, black on black, uh, every year. That's about 50% of the homicide victims. Almost all of these homicide victims are killed by other blacks. The, uh, the Black Lives Matter people, however, don't seem to be to care about that. You let a white cop kill somebody, which doesn't happen very often. A thousand uh, officers, a uh, thousand people were killed by the police on average in the last five years. 500 of them have been whites. 250 of them have been black. Uh, and again, more unarmed whites, or at least the same number of unarmed whites, have been killed as unarmed blacks. But we don't have any uh, kind of controversy over that. And that's because the meme, the narrative that the media drives, is that racism remains a major problem in America, especially anti-cop, uh, anti-black uh, bias on the part of cops remains a major problem in America, and the Democrats need to keep black people angry so they get that 95% monolithic black vote. So tell black people that when a cop does something bad, it's all cops doing something bad. It's a reflection of the institutional, systemic, structural racism that the left always complains about. It is absurd, and what it's doing, Bob, is it's getting people killed. There's something called the Ferguson effect that happened after the cops were yelled and screamed at in Ferguson. The cops in Ferguson surrounding Cincinnati began pulling back. Same thing happened in Chicago. The mayor of Chicago, Rob Emanuel, even said that because of the fear of being accused of racism, the Chicago police have put themselves into a fetal position. What happens? Crime goes up. The bad guys know that the cops are passive, and the very people that the Black Lives Matter folks claim they care about are the ones who are hurt. We should be dealing with these kinds of things on a case-by-case basis. One more quick thing, uh, Bob. 2015, Freddie Gray dies in the custody of the police, of the police, Baltimore police. This is a city that was run by a black mayor at the time, still has a black mayor. The head of the police department was black. The number two guy was black. Uh, there were six officers who were charged. Uh, three of them were black. Uh, the judge before whom two of the officers tried their cases was black. The state attorney who brought the charges was black. The United States attorney general at the time was black, as was the president of the United States. And we're talking about institutional racism when black people are running the institution. Scotty, beam me up. 
Larry Elder is joining us, the Sage of South Central. So much ground there. Um, a, a lot of the stats you just quoted were presented in meticulous detail last night by Tucker Carlson. I know here in the uh, Eastern Time Zone, he's on at the same time as you. Thank God for DVR. Uh, but uh, but his his presentation was a direct rebuttal of Benjamin Crump's allegation, of LeBron James' allegation, of CNN's allegation. And I'm using those for a particular reason, of course. Benjamin Crump is an attorney, so you've got le- people in the legal profession, you've got people in sports, you've got people in the mainstream media you got entertainers in hollywood all advancing the notion that black people are being victimized by genocide here in the united right. states uh you know the the players coalition issued that statement saying it seems like every week we have the same situation and then we tweet about it we talk about how bad it is and then we forget about it and then it happens again larry nine times in an entire year as according according to the stats compiled by the washington post and as tucker did last night five of those fully five of those quote-unquote unarmed black people uh uh, that were that were shot, um, tried to arm themselves by either attacking and taking the weapon away from the officer or attacking them right. using one of them used a taser on the officer. Others just beat them. What are officers supposed to do? Just see who's a better what? MMA fighter uh, in order to save their <laughs> lives and hope that they don't get their hands on his weapon. But 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 that knocks the number down to five. One of them was an accident. Right. And, and of the other four remaining, two of the, the cops were prosecuted. So what are they saying? Why are they continuing all of those different areas of public uh, public life, all of those things that I just mentioned? Why are they all saying genocide is happening when it just flat out is a made-up lie? Well, as far as the defense attorneys are concerned, uh, I don't even pay attention to them because it's in their best interest to create this kind of narrative. Johnny Cochran uh, said stuff like that. All criminal defense lo- lawyers generally say that uh, blacks are being persecuted by uh, by the white cops because it, that advances their agenda. It helps to uh, condition the jury pool. So I, I kind of ignore them. But the other ones, those are the ones that bother me. The LeBron Jameses, he's got, he's got a lot of influence. And after uh, Mr. Aubrey was killed uh, in Brunswick, Georgia, he says we can't even leave leave our houses without being literally hunted down and shot. Are you kidding me? A young black man is eight times more likely to be a victim of a homicide than a young white man, and almost always the perpetrator of said homicide is another young black man. Uh, If, in fact, blacks are afraid to leave their house because they're being tracked down, it ain't white people tracking them down. It's other young black people living in that neighborhood that's doing this kind of carnage, and nobody seems to care. Memorial Day week in Chicago, 10 people killed. 49 people shot. The city's a third white, a third black, a third Hispanic. About 70% of the homicides are black on black. And by the way, 75% of all the homicide cases in New York are unsolved. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the rare instance in which some cops have done some bad things, and that's going to be dealt with. Is there any reason to believe that these cops are not going to be dealt with? you got the vice president of the city council uh, in Minneapolis who's black. You have the AG, state AG, uh, uh, Keith Ellison, who's black. You have the district... Uh, um, U.S. House member, uh, Ilan Umar, who is black. There's plenty of representation of color in the area. What makes you think justice is not going to be served? So you're going to hit the streets and riot for seven or eight days in a row? Are you kidding me? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, two things there, um, the the uh, rioting and how you think it should best be dealt with from this point forward. We are now a full week into nightly riots and chaos and assaults and killings of police officers. Nobody has mentioned, nobody holding a Black Lives right. Matter flag that I have seen has mentioned the name of David Dorn, the retired black police captain who was killed by looters in St. Louis. Does his life matter? And if not, if it does, why are you not saying 
or doing anything about that. So, so hit the hit the looting and the rioting for me first, Larry, and then I want to get your thoughts on the 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 organizers who are leading multiple chants in multiple cities. It can't be coincidence. They're chanting "Defund the police, defund the police." They truly want to abolish policing in the United States, and I guess what? Leave everybody up to their own consciences. Right. Right. Well, I'm a law and order libertarian, and I believe, uh, as uh, James Madison did, that uh, private property is uh, is one of the functions, protecting private property is one of the principal functions of government. What is government for other than to protect people and property? And if it doesn't do that, it has shirked its responsibility. I remember hearing one police chief, female black police chief, say, I'm not going to put my officers in harm's way just for property. That's your job. That is their job. That's why we pay them. So as far as I'm concerned, there should be a massive presence uh, National Guard is necessary, uh, and throw a bunch of people in jail is necessary. You can't have a bunch of people going into in the streets and looting. And all of these looters don't care about the race of the owners of the company. You know, Black Lives Matter, black businesses, not so much. That is a great point. Um, there's been a big dispute in New York, for example. Bill de Blasio says, we do not want the National Guard here. We do not want the military here. Uh, President Trump, of course, has threatened to order in the military. And in fact, uh, um, uh, Tom Cotton, Senator Tom Cotton, wrote an op-ed, I believe it ran to this morning, the first time I saw it, that said, it is time, bring the military in, and we're talking active military, not just guardsmen, bring the military into these American cities that we cannot get control over because this cannot continue. Do you, uh, what side are you on there? I, I agree with him. By the way, that op-ed piece was in the New York Times this morning, and the New York Times staffers went on Twitter and criticized the New York Times for running the op-ed. Wow. So you, you can't even have a different of a difference of opinion uh, in the op-ed section, which is why it's called an op-ed section. <laughs> and they were criticized. Went, to, went on social media and criticized their own newspaper for even daring to run it. About the only thing that I saw online yesterday that was as powerful as uh, Tucker Carlson's uh, screed, uh, you know, with the with the stats that we just talked about, was a similar uh, viral message uh, conveyed by Candace Owens. Uh, Candace is a coon, of course, and Candace is an Uncle Tom, or I guess what's the female equivalent of an Uncle Tom. She declared it as such. She said you, and she said that Ben Carson, and she said that so many other African Americans who dare say, you know, tell the truth about this are indeed uh, destroyed by people in their of their own race and calling them those terrible names. Now let's turn that to right. your movie. You You wanted to shine a spotlight on what it's like to be black and conservative, or just black and reasonable in America, and how it is that you, uh, your own race turns on you. Tell us more. And, and I'm happy you said black and reasonable, because that's really what the movie is all about. It's not a pro-Republican, a pro-Trump uh, movie, although mm-hmm. it does question uh, why some of the policies the Democratic Party has been pushing are, are consistent with the interests of black people. But it simply asks a very simple question. Why is it, if you're black, and you question whether or not every single problem facing the black community can be traced directly to slavery and Jim Crow. Why is it if you're black, you don't feel that today black people are burdened by systemic, uh, systemic uh, uh, structural or, or institutional racism? Why does that get you called an Uncle Tom and a self-loather in a coconut? Why can't we have a sensible civil discussion about the best way to advance the interests of America in general and the best way to advance the interests of black America in particular without me being a self-loather and a sellout? 
What is it that is, that is in our culture, in the black culture, that produces this phenomenon? And I talked to Candace Owens, and I talked to Herman Cain, and I talked to uh, uh, Alan West, uh, and a guy named Bob Whitson who runs a, a youth center uh, on the East Coast, uh, and they all had the similar experiences. We all feel that we're in good faith trying to advance the best interests of the community, and instead of people saying, we respectfully disagree, here's why, here's our data that shows your position is wrong, it's you're a sellout and you're Uncle Tom. The thing I fear most being called, Bob, is wrong. Rarely am I called that on my show. Uncle Tom, bootlicker, coconut, coon, Oreo, uh, sellout, self-loather, Sambo Tom. Rarely am I called wrong. <laughs> Larry, last thing before you go, and, uh, and this is kind of departing a little bit from your experience and the experience of other reasonable black people who don't just buy into everything the Democrat Party wants them to buy into. Uh, I want to ask you about a white guy. Drew Brees, you saw yesterday, made a statement uh, that he would never uh, disrespect the flag or the anthem uh, by kneeling during it. And he was immediately, uh, you know, he, he was he was just targeted. Uh, I mean, you know, the hate-filled, the hate-filled uh, uh, satanic place called Twitter, which is what I truly believe it is. It is a very, very bad and negative place that I would not use if I didn't have a radio program. Uh, tore him up one side and down the other. Called him everything but a man. Man, accused him of being racist. Drew Brees just did what you're not supposed to do. He bowed to the mob. He, about one hour ago, I'm looking at it on Instagram, apologized. Don't tell me. Don't comments. tell me he apologized. Don't he tell did. me he apologized. He did. I would like to apologize to my friends, teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, the NFL community, and anyone else I heard with my comments yesterday. In speaking with some of you, it breaks my heart to know the pain that I have caused. It's about five paragraphs long, Larry. He, is, he has no. bowed to the rage mob. You know, I um, just uh, watched a press conference of our L.A. mayor, and he said he wants to put together mental health programs to deal with the psychological trauma that young black people experience because people don't trust them. And I suggested that there ought to be a mental health program for guilty white liberals to get them off of of this because this is simply absurd. Uh, Even worse was the Sacramento Kings announcement. I don't know if you heard about this. Yeah, Uh, He resigned after having a Twitter exchange with a former uh, basketball player who asked the uh, Sacramento Kings guy what he thought about Black Lives Matter. And he tweets back, all lives matter in caps. uh, And that made him a, quote, closet racist, close quote, according to the former basketball player. And the announcer has resigned. You can't say all Did he resign? Did he resign or was he flat out fired? I I thought I thought he was fired. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure he was uh, told, uh, you know, in no uncertain given terms, the option. Uh, yeah, but I, I didn't realize that he had actually. Yeah, okay. I, I just no, thought no, they said resigned. that that was insensitive. Your no, the, word, the word I saw was resigned, but he might okay. have been fired. But the okay. point is, all lives matter is is racist. Simply saying, I'm not going to disrespect the flag, compels you to apologize. Where are we in society? Yeah. Well. You know, you, you, you run that risk every day as a black man speaking truth and, and telling the facts and everything. And you run the risk of being labeled an Uncle Tom and all the other words that you just said. I run the risk because I'm white and, and I say the same things that you say of being called a racist and being derided the way right. Drew Brees was uh, and, and, and forced to either apologize and, and stand in solidarity with a movement that is based on lies or, you know, lose careers and lose friends and lose influence and lose income, et cetera, et cetera. Larry, it's a very dangerous thing. You know, for for all of us, for whites and black blacks who want to tell the truth. Well, as Malcolm X once said, "I'm for the truth, no matter who's telling it." 
and that's how I feel. Uh, and one of the problems in this country is that white people don't stand up and, and, and tell the truth, don't defend themselves. It's a huge problem. I wrote a book called uh, The Ten Things You Can't Say in America, and my second chapter was about white condescension, about how white people just, just you know, just fold up when they're accused of being racist. Yeah. And a friend of mine has a, has a son, my friend is white, and the son was reading the book uh, in, in his gym class, had my book jacket uh, on the cover of it, and a white, a black kid comes up to him and says, is that Larry Elder kind of angrily? And the kid looks up and says, yes. He says, Are you, do you like him? And he started to say no, but he just read my chapter about white condescension and how white people uh, are cowardly when they're called racist. Right. And he looked up and he looked at the black kid and he said, yeah, I like him. And the black kid looked to the left, looked to the right, and then said, me too, I think he's cool. <laughs> what a great story. What a great story. Larry Elder, the Sage of South Central. The movie is called Uncle Tom. Now, it says it's being released June 19th. Um, uh, theaters aren't still open, to my, under, to my understanding. How can people watch this? We're, we're going to release it online. Just go to UncleTom.com, and you can see it online. You can also go to that website right now and check out the three trailers we have up there. Also, there's Uncle Tom merchandise. If you want to be the first in your neighborhood to buy an Uncle Tom shirt and have enough courage to wear it, be my guest. But UncleTom.com is the, is the website, and that's going to help. That's how we're going to release the film on the 19th. It's going to be an online release. Terrific. Well, you had the courage to make the film. The least we can do is have the courage to watch it and and, and share it with others. Uh, Larry Elder, thank you so much. And it's fun and entertaining. It's not, it's not angry. It's not bitter. It's, it's a very entertaining film, too. You'll have a good time. Thank you, Larry. God bless. God bless, La Bob. Larry Elder, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, we'll get out and come back in again on AM 1420, The Answer. you how uh, incredibly disappointing it is to learn that Drew Brees, the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, respected for his entire career for being, being an upstanding man, a tireless supporter of everyone and all things, including minority rights, including helping to be one of the rocks that helped get New Orleans through the tumultuous time of Katrina and the aftermath. Drew Brees has just been, a, like I said, a model citizen and an ambassador to the game. And when he stated yesterday that he would never disrespect the flag or the anthem by kneeling, and he was taken to the proverbial woodshed by virtually every professional athlete, uh, black athletes and virtue signaling whites trying to prove their wokeness, uh, it, was, it was horrific. It was horrific what was done to him. And Drew Brees apparently decided to do what, you, what no one should ever do. He bowed to the race mob. Quote, I would like to apologize to my friends, teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, NFL community, and anyone I hurt by my comments yesterday. In speaking with some of you, it breaks my heart to know the pain I have caused. In an attempt to talk about respect, unity, and solidarity centered on the American flag and the national anthem, I made comments that were insensitive and completely missed the mark on issues we are facing right now as a country. They lacked awareness and any type of compassion or empathy. I hate reading this. I hate it. No, they didn't. His comments were real. I'm not going to disrespect the flag and the anthem. That's simple. That's not controversial. Anyway, he continues, instead, those words have become divisive and hurtful and have misled people into believing that somehow I am an enemy. This could not be further from the truth and is not an accurate reflection of my heart or my character. This is where I stand. 
I stand with the black community in the fight against systemic racial injustice and police brutality and support the creation of real policy change that will make a difference. Again, this is, this is painful. It's like he is, he is writing or typing at the tip of a spear. I condemn the, the, uh, uh, the years of oppression that have taken place throughout our black community and still exist today. I acknowledge that we as Americans, including myself, have not done enough to fight for that equality or to truly understand the struggles or plight of the black community. I recognize that I am part of the solution and can be a leader for the black community in this movement. I will never know what it's like to be a black man or raise black children in America, but I will work every day to put myself in those shoes and fight for what is right. I have always been an ally, never an enemy. I am sick about the way my comments were perceived yesterday, but I take full responsibility and accountability. I recognize that I should do less talking and more listening, and when the black community is talking about their pain, we all need to listen. For that, I am very sorry, and I ask your forgiveness. He, he said all of that because he dared to say that I won't disrespect the flag or the anthem because he believes in the flag and the anthem and the country that they represent. My God. Dr. Everett.